0: Today is June 5th, 2020. And I say that because it is important to date this podcast. This is the end of what will be the longest week we've seen in a while for many. Though this is really what our Black communities have faced for years on end. Across the country, there are uprisings happening in the name of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Michael Lorenzo Dean, Eric Reason, Pamela Turner, and so many others. As former President Obama explained, the callout is explicit for the reform of police practices and the broader criminal justice system in the United States. The rate at which black Americans are killed by police is more than twice as high as the rate for white Americans. I do not claim to know how painful it must be for our black communities after decades of watching our nation watch black people die. So, at the end of this week, this country is not where it needs to be, but it's clear that masses of people are demanding a solution. It's also clear that support for a movement comes in different ways, starting from in-person protest to contacting the powers that be, to putting money in the hands of our Black communities and allies that help move this forward. The Latino community is absolutely a critical part in combating colorism and anti-Black racism by starting in our own communities. In this podcast, we are going to talk about the responsibility of Latinos because it's huge. But this episode will also be slightly different than others. And it's because it's a bit more personal. I come from the Northwest side of Chicago, a working neighborhood where last weekend I learned that it was heavily impacted by the uprising. Local businesses were smashed and looted. Fire was set to large department stores. When I spoke with my parents who lived there, they confirmed shootings were heard all night and that there were rumors of home invasions. By midweek, only one of their local grocery stores stood and continued to operate under limited hours. I had now also heard from multiple sources that Chicago gangs, not just in my area, but across the city, were pledging to protect neighborhoods and businesses, which, yes, if you're wondering, adds another layer of complexity and questions. I wanted to know more. Not just about this, but also about how Latinos, which in 2017 were the largest quote-unquote minority in Chicago, are showing up for the movement while keeping their communities intact. For this episode, I spoke with someone who's been documenting on the ground and who has worked with small businesses in our Chicago Latino neighborhoods, Mateo Zapata. We spoke about the current state of affairs and how Latinos are showing up. What is discussed in this conversation are Mateo's observations. It's important to remember that this is not happening in a vacuum. Chicago has historically been one of the most segregated cities in our country. This which was completely engineered by the city through enabling redlining, now outlawed lending practices that kept minorities out of certain areas and keeping investment out of Black communities. The most hurt by these practices were Blacks and Latinos specifically Mexicans. To date, the segregation in Chicago is still evident, and that's just a little bit of context as we head into this conversation, which has some sensitive material. Here's Mateo.
1: My name is Mateo Zapata. I'm a freelance photojournalist, and I have a community organization called Inner City Culture. We typically do events to raise money for undocumented students uh, in our community, which would be Pilsen on the south side of Chicago.
0: And these last couple of days in Chicago have been Mm. to you and and your work in documenting, are they like anything you've seen before?
1: No, I've never seen anything like this in my life, ever.
0: So, what is it that you are seeing?
1: Mm -hmm. Um, It began with protests all over the city and then. It turned into looting, which then led into, on the south side of Chicago specifically, like, you know, a quasi gang race war that was explicitly orchestrated by CPD from Friday to Tuesday morning. There was um, all around shootouts, like, I'm, you know, every 30 minutes at the top of every hour during the day, throughout the night. It specifically in Little Village, it did pour out to Brighton Park. Cicero got really bad. Um, fortunately, yesterday, which would be Tuesday afternoon, evening, uh, some members declared a truce and they posted up a photo of them together. So there is an effort because of all of the violence that was taking place over the weekend and the Monday. There was an effort on behalf of like the OGs, from each side to come together and express the need to make a truce and to have some sort of a peace agreement. So, yeah, the, the hope is that all the other surrounding sets will follow suit and things will de-escalate.
0: Because so there was someone, people
1: shot on both sides of that.
0: Right. So for someone who's listening to this and they may not be acquainted with the Chicago area or otherwise aware um yeah. all of these sets that you mentioned, yeah. They're gangs on different parts of Chicago.
1: Yeah. So I'm, I was speaking specifically about the south side of Chicago. Basically, once the looting happened, a lot of the uh, predominantly Mexican neighborhoods, the gangs started to block off the streets. I believe the same thing is happening from what I saw this morning in Dykeman um, in, over in New York. So basically, the neighborhood gangs and residents started to monitor, right, and, and protect their communities all throughout the south side. It happened in Pilsen, Little Village, back of the yards. Got pretty bad over the weekend, um, but things, I think, today have calmed down for the first day since last Friday. Mm-hmm.
0: And so it, there's, there's a lot of complex layers going on, right? How is it that people are, you know, Pilsen, which has grown in, in La Villita, which have you know, been pushed to the forefront um, of of Chicago and Chicago neighborhoods and have gained more recognition. But even in Cicero, which is also predominantly Latino, how have you seen people are protecting small businesses, right? I'll be
1: honest, it varies, right? There's some businesses um, like in Pilsen that are just boarding up, right? Their windows, they're expressing their support for Black Lives Matter, um, on the boards that they're using on their businesses, they're literally spray painting you know, Latinos for Black Lives Matter or just spray painting BLM and making it clear that you know, regardless of whatever efforts there are to turn you know, Latinos versus Blacks, that at the end of the day, a lot of us, whether on the South Side or the North Side of Chicago, a lot of us Latinos support the Black community, right? And we understand that the same system that targets them is the same system that incarcerates our immigrant children, right? And separates our families. As far as how small businesses are, you know, protecting themselves, it varies. I mean, there's a photograph that got sent to me of three gentlemen that were on the roof of a dollar store in Cicero carrying automatic assault rifles, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it depends. Some people are just taking the preventive measure of boarding up you know their businesses and then other people are you know definitely arming themselves
0: you mentioned that people will spray paint black lives matter do you feel like that the the latino neighborhoods in chicago are there like are how are the relations right now between black and latino people in our very latino neighborhoods
1: well starting yesterday and this morning and right now actually the neighborhoods of pilson and little village have organized Marches and actions in support of black lives matter. So yesterday in Pilsen, there was a march that went completely all around the neighborhood and the Strict singular purpose of that March was to make it clear that um, as Latinos as immigrants, we do support black lives matter and so you know, it was a group of women who organized that and salute to them because, you know, there was at least over 300 people that showed up yesterday. This morning, there was another demonstration, Little Village that had um, also a couple hundred people show up. And so, you know, residents are taking it upon themselves to show, right, the black community that we do support their movement right now. And we do also, completely believe that Black Lives Matter. There's no equivocation or doubt about that whatsoever. So these marches and actions, I think, are definitely going to put the right kind of energy out there to make it clear that the last thing that we need on the South Side during a pandemic and during everything that's occurring right now across the country is to have a conflict between Black and Brown communities.
0: Now, I think there's been a lot of um, awareness, uh, perhaps not to everybody, but to a lot of people and a lot of uh, call-out culture around the fact that some of these um, news outlets, especially the ones that our parents might digest who speak Spanish or our abuelos Mm -hmm. who digest who may speak Spanish, don't provide the context um, when there's reporting on lootings. Um, So basically, for for people who aren't there, for, for Latinos who are not there and for for people in our own families who may not be there. Yeah. How how do you suggest, and this isn't like suggesting that you have the answer, but how have you mm-hmm. seen slash yeah. or suggest people have that conversation with, with people in their own family or in their own circles? Because it's clear that we're not all there.
1: I think the lack of a reflection of what our community looks like then translates into a complete distortion of what our narrative is. Right. So the narratives that they report on the news are not the narratives that are occurring in our community because there is that disconnect. Right. Um, I think that if some of these media outlets would hire people from their own communities, right. I think that there could be a clearer connection between what's occurring in the community and, you know, as opposed to what's not, but, um, to your point or to answer your question uh, in regards to how to do that, I think it just starts at home. You know, we as the younger generation or whether we're the older generation, we need to have these conversations with people in our family, with our neighbors, with the people that are scared. You know, I just spoke to a group of students, um, you know, in Cicero and they're terrified. You know, they're very confused. And they, the thing is that it's not about fear. It's just that they literally don't understand what's happening. And they don't understand the context of why there's a racial conflict. Why are people rioting all over the United States? Why mm-hmm. um, you know, did it take an entire you know, week and a half to arrest the police officer that killed George Floyd? Why did it take this many weeks to finally press charges on the other three police officers? You know, why did he get charged with third degree murder? Why did, you know, Minneapolis um, completely revolt, right? Against uh, its, its city, you know? And so I think that, you know, while you have people that, that do kind of know what's happening right while you have people that are on the ground and know what's going on while you have people that are in tune with what's really taking place unfortunately there's a lot of people in our community that just either don't know or don't understand so i think the best way to clear that is to you know make that conversation happen Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. to to, i mean within our Within our communities to educate, mm-hmm. I think. I think as a yeah. um, and to write the yeah. the mediums of communication that do exist. Um, so, final question for you here. I mean, it's inevitable what has already happened um, in in my neighborhood of Hermosa, and I know that in other neighborhoods as well, um, a lot of small businesses have not been exempt from these lootings, um, and so. <clears throat> There are quite a few neighborhoods that their residents wake up and find that they are in a near food desert at the moment or, or don't have access to all these small businesses that they did. How are people beginning recovery? How are they beginning cleanup? I, I know that Chicago, and one of the things that I love about Chicago is they're very driven, the commu- they're very community driven. And so people really pull together um but but how how are small businesses addressing this how is the community addressing this
1: um from what i've seen uh you know i'm gonna be honest with you um i think some communities are gonna make it out of this and i think that others are gonna have a very hard time recovering Uh, i was on the west side over the weekend um and from what I saw um, on Saturday, sorry, Sunday night, what I saw Sunday evening, their community is completely destroyed. I mean, there there is no standing business. Um, you know, you see people. Yeah, I mean, it was it was complete chaos from what I saw on the west side of Chicago, and the police were just there. They were parked down the block. They didn't do anything to stop it. You know, they, I was in River North and there was, I would say, you know. To
0: stop the lootings?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there was definitely, a, what I'm saying is that there was a disproportionate number, a disproportionate number of policemen protecting River North than protecting Little Village, Pilsen, Back of the Yards, West Lawn, Austin, Douglas Park. Um, you know, like I said, when I was in River North, that same Sunday night, there was maybe a hundred people protesting on the, on the corner of North and Wells, which just for context that people don't know, this is probably one of the wealthiest neighborhoods in the city of Chicago. Um, and for barely to have 100, proce- 100 protesters on the street, you literally had, I think, like, the National Guard, for one, well over 60 squad cars, which is manned at least two officers per squad car. And meanwhile, the West Side was left completely unprotected to the degree that their neighborhood is destroyed. You know, and I, I don't know when, how, or how soon that part of the city is going to seriously be able to recover. Um, you know, fortunately, um, you know, my community has, didn't go through that. You know, I think there were steps that residents took to avoid that from happening. And, uh, You know, I'm thankful for all of the members of my community that that stepped up and and that, you know, used dumpsters to close streets off and literally did not let any traffic through from anyone that was not a resident. Um, You know, unfortunately, not, you know, a lot of communities in Chicago don't have the structure and don't have the leadership to organize that way. You know, the saddest thing about the entire race conflict that took place over the past weekend is that there wasn't a single politician, whether Black or Latino, that spoke about the issue on the South Side of Chicago. There was not a single elected official that addressed the multiple around-the-clock shootouts that were taking place in their own communities. And I think that the lack of leadership um has different impacts on different communities right some communities just you know have been conditioned systematically because of the lack of leadership because of the lack of community building and you know that just unfortunately resulted in chaos you know i think that pilsen there's a lot of us not just myself at all but there's an entire large group of people whether young or old You know mexican puerto rican um you know black uh that have worked tirelessly right to to build community here and so i think that you know there is uh you know a large group of people and there's a lot of leaders here um that have started from the ground up who aren't elected officials by the way just residents right um that do their thing and i think that because of that you know there was a, a collective effort, you know, to just make sure that our communities wouldn't be, right, impacted or destroyed. And it's just, you know, as great as that is, it's just, it's, it's more sad than anything because it just shows you the disparity, right, with other communities. And it, it really draws the line in the sand in showing you how some how a lot of, you know, Black communities in Chicago are completely under-resourced. And just... Um, you know, not protected, whether it's by their own, you know, elected officials or whether it's by the city. I mean, you know, CPD completely stood by, you know, while while that part of the city got destroyed.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I think you make a very good point, Chicago being one of the most segregated cities in the country. And it's a, a history yeah. that, you know, a very deeply ingrained his- history that still is very prevalent today. Um, from it's the story of the haves and the have-nots, and it and it runs layers, not only racially but monetarily and in terms oh, of resources. Sure. Definitely, definitely. Um, so, how are how are you feeling? You know, like in in terms of like, it's really hard to 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 figure out what what hope looks like right now, or if that is even a word we we look at. It's 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 more like what what do we do right now? to help our communities because our communities are bleeding.
1: I mean, it's hard, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's frustrating to see the friends I have that live in Little Village that are going through what they're going through that had to go through what they did this weekend. You know, I got, I got friends that got shot at, you know what I mean? Like, that doesn't, that doesn't feel good. You know, that's not a good, you know, we all grew up around that that kind of environment and to then have to revert to experiencing that again as adults is almost like borderline PTSD. You know what I'm saying? So it's not, it's definitely not a good feeling, but, you know, I think that at least for where I live on the South side of Chicago, I think that it just has to be made clear that, you know, as Latinos, as immigrants, as Mexicans, you know, I'm from, I was born in Colombia, I'm half Chilean. I completely support the black community. You know, and this is not new for me. I'm not hopping on the bus either. I was out there. I've been, you know, showing my support for the black community, you know, around the clock. As an Afro-Latino, I grew up that way. You know, I, this is not new to me or this isn't something that I had to unlearn to be a part of, you know, Something but, you lived with. um, you know, yeah. So I think that, um, you know, right now I feel like at least for, for us on the South side, you know, I think all of our communities, uh, all of our predominantly Latino communities, we just need to be very vocal about the fact that this is not a black versus Brown conflict at all whatsoever. And we cannot allow the narrative yeah. of, you know, protesting a system that um enabled a police officer to think you know think that he could get away with killing george floyd uh you know in the same system that incarcerates immigrant children and separates families we we can't allow the protest against that system to then twist itself into some kind of backwards mentality where all of a sudden it's a black versus brown thing. So I, you know, just speaking for myself and from where I'm at in the United States, um, I think that's what, you know, we have to do right. As Latinos. Um, but you know, I mean, we were going through a pandemic before this happened, you know? So I think that people are very much just trying to take this day by day, you know, every day something else is happening. And, um, I think that everything occurring around the death of George Floyd and and the fact that, um, you know, he was murdered by a Minnesota police officer, Minneapolis police officer, sorry. Um, I think it just goes to show that, I mean, there is a systematic problem in this country and it needs to get addressed from the top down and from the ground up.
0: Thank you, Mateo. I hear you completely. And I agree. We have a lot of work to do. Now... As for anyone wondering how we can help these communities that have been impacted by the uprisings and are in working class or lower class neighborhoods, I'll be posting some resources on Moneda Moves. Please follow us, stay tuned, and we will see you next week.